Matthew 22, 36 through 40 from the New International Version. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The word of the Lord. Good morning, Evergreen. My name is Sharp Forsland, and I'm going to tell you a story this morning. This is a story out of all of my almost 79 years that has traveled with me for the last 45. Um, it's been threaded in and out of every other story in my life. It has impacted everything. It has influenced everything. Sometimes it has controlled everything, and it has required me to be constantly adjusting and um, being willing to change years. 45 years ago, I was teaching school. I felt very called to teaching. I loved every minute of it. I loved my students. I loved the preparation. I loved being in the classroom. And then we went on a week out for what was then called outdoor education. Um, we went out to um, a place called Lake Retreat. Some of you may know where that is. And I was on a small, like, walk hike with my class up to find the water source of a creek and study that. And um, it was rainy, it was wet, it was muddy and yucky. And I slipped and fell a little bit in that mud, kind of down the side of a creek. And I was sitting there in the mud and my students were all looking down at me, kind of like, please give us permission to laugh, Mrs. Forsland. And we all did. We just cracked up and, you know, I got up and we continued on. Um, I had indeed ruptured a disc in my back. Over the next few years, I went through many times of being in and out of the hospital. Um, when they went in to do the first surgery to repair that disc, they found that I do have congenital problems in my spinal cord, and that really, really compounded things. Um, I have some varicose veins that are wrapped around my spinal cord inside the bone structure. So if I go into muscle spasms, it's like squeezing a wet washcloth on your spinal cord. So over the next few years, like I said, I went through four major spinal surgeries. And I obviously had had to give up teaching, and um, that put me into a great deal of despair and anger, especially at first during the time that I was going through all those surgeries. Uh, but it proved to be the beginning of new adventures, too. My pastor at the time, John Nilsson, suggested that I start journaling and get my angry feelings out and down on paper. And I did that, and that led to uh, actually uh, writing a lot of poetry and getting me started writing articles. I went to some writers' conferences, ended up teaching at some writers' conferences. I was involved with the children's ministries at Seattle First Covenant, did some consulting work for the, for the Covenant Church, and uh, God just opened up a lot of new adventures and, and things for me to do. And actually, this is pretty scary for those of you who know me at all, I actually ended up teaching as an adjunct professor at uh, Seattle Pacific University 
for uh, about 10 years out of the School of Theology. So uh, things, God makes things happen whether you think they can or not. Um, there's a period of time in my life when I really just said, God, I'm fed up with you and walked away. And um, I was away for a while. And uh, when I came back, I literally looked at my open hands one day and I thought, you just can't bring your hands together legitimately and pray anymore. And at that point, I literally said out loud, oh my God. And I heard very clearly, yep, I haven't moved. I'm still here. That I have sought to be joyful. And I think that um, most of the time, I'm not too cranky about all of this. So I've come to this conclusion, and it's something that I've shared with a lot of people who say, just how do you deal with it? I am not my body. The God-created essence of who I am is not this body. I am called to live in it right now, but it is not the created part of me that God wants me to still thrive with and find joy in and commit to Him on a daily basis. I have another thing that I go through every morning when I wake up before I ever get out of bed. I say, good morning, God. It's me, Charlotte. This is your day. Let's get at it. Let's do with it what we can. One of the first pieces of poetry that I ever had published, and it was published in the Covenant Companion many years ago now, um, is something that I would like to end with today. This is called Rock, and it really pretty much is my story. Lord, make my life a jagged rock. Give me sharp edges to grasp, points to feel, surfaces to cling to, textures on which to etch the toughness of life's trials and on which to place the record of our triumphs together. Lord, don't allow my life to be rubbed to smooth stone, for I might lose my grasp and have it slip away. Keep me from holding life too comfortably, too easily, too lightly, lest I look at it and see nothing to excite or awe me. Lord, give me enough trouble to hold on to, enough joy to wash away life's pain, and enough faith to give my life to you. Thanks for listening to my story. Well, good morning. Here we are. It's the fourth week of Advent, and it's time to turn our attention to love. I think I was asked to speak on this topic because I'm maybe the most qualified person around to do this. I mean, seriously, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I've got those qualities in spades. Patience, check. Kindness, check. Keeps no records of wrongs, check. But to be fair, I don't really keep records of rights either. If you ask my wife, I have an awful memory. It tells me things all the time. I don't, yeah. Doesn't boast. Well, except for right now, check. I mean, if you, if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife after this. She'll, she'll tell you I'm, I'm pretty much flawless when it comes to these things. <laughs> but what hasn't been said about love that, that could be said anew? For we know the power of love because of Huey Lewis and the news. We know that love makes the world go around. And we know that all you really need is love. 
for our love covers a multitude of sins, and we know that love means never having to say you're sorry. Again, something I highlight to my wife quite frequently. <laughs> for all is fair in love and war, even though we're told to make love, not war. We know that what the world really needs is love, but we also know that love can cause great desperation as I would do anything for love. And love can apparently solve even the thorniest of issues because we know in the end that love is love, right? And love wins. You can tell by this list of pithy, often trite, bordering on sometimes nonsensical phrases and bumper sticker style slogans that everyone has something to say about love, but how much of it is actually useful for us? Unless we forget about the Christmas season, we know that it's that time of year when the world falls in love to the point that somehow Christmas feels almost like a pseudo-Valentine's with songs like, All I Want for Christmas is You. But unfortunately, we're also told that love is fickle and blind. So perhaps we actually don't know what we're talking about when we talk about love. I suspect that our society uses the term love as more of an amorphous, vague concept than some kind of, uh, that is more aspirational than it is concrete, more sentimental than action-oriented. We tend to circumvent the hard work of loving well and allowing love to transform our lives for the better. And instead, we exchange it for cheap, momentary sentiment. But the love that we find in Scripture is not sentimental. It's not vague. It's not based solely in feelings. Then what is love? Simply put, it's to will the good of the other. I know that's not flashy. It's not very romantic. There's not too many songs with that as the, the hook. But when we think about it, we find it to be true. This entails that we actually know what the good of the other person is, not just a perception of it, and we help them pursue it. Thankfully, though, love helps us with that too. The old Latin phrase, ubi amor, ibi oculus. Where there is love, there is seeing. Love, in fact, is not blind, but love helps us to see in ways that those who do not love have no capability of. And so, therefore, when we love well, it allows us to take delight in the object of our love. If you're a parent, you may have experienced this. It's no accident that your kid is the cutest, and you can't get over the amazing things that she or he has done, while your neighbors or your friends or even other family members finally kind of get sick and tired of hearing the stories. Your love for your child then allows you to see in ways that other people can't see your children. In fact, I often find my wife looking back through old photos of Mary and Anna, and she looks at them with delight because her love for them allows her to see those girls in ways that you guys can't. I imagine this is the way analogous to the way that God sees the world and us because of his love. Think back to the creation story. On day one, God saw that the world was good. And this phrase, God saw that it was good, is repeated over 
and over again in the text. It's almost hard but to notice that God is taking sheer delight in what he is creating, saying, it's good, it's good, it's good. And later on, we think about maybe the most famous uh, verse in, in all of Scripture, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his Son. God sees the world as good, as worthy of redemption, and it is his love that allows him to see us in ways that we are even un- incapable of seeing ourselves at times because of self-alienation, contempt, guilt, loathing, and self-hatred. Go back through Jesus' miracles, and you'll notice the ways in which Jesus sees the people he's healing, not just as an invalid or a sinner. Take, for instance, the woman who's been bleeding. She reaches out to touch his cloak. She's healed. And when he turns to her, he says, daughter. He sees her as a child of God when everyone else sees her as a burden, unclean, unsavory, someone to be ignored. His love allows him to see with truth. Rarely do we talk about loving well, because loving well implies that maybe there are better and worse ways to love, maybe even right and wrong ways to love. Or we often assume that uh, our love, that the emotional response that accompanies that initial attraction or love will kind of guide us properly, but we know that's not the case. However, the ways to the ways to love well are both seen in the instructions that God gives Israel and in Jesus' short summation of the law as read earlier this morning. Love, then, is not love, or perhaps we should say that not all loves ought to be or are equal. I can only love my neighbor, my spouse, even myself well when I love God with my whole heart mind, strength, and so forth. It's no accident that these two commands are inseparable. St. Augustine famously said, love God and do what you want. A very freeing claim that is simple but far from easy. His point being that when we love God well, as we are commanded to, when we love him with all of us, the rest of our loves of our neighbor, ourself, our spouse, pleasures, material goods, friendships, all of those become much easier to be ordered properly. But this is not accomplished by mere sentiment or untrained and uncultivated passion or love. What we often do is turn this liberating and challenging concept into do what you want because God loves you a justification for all kinds of disordered and disproportionate loves. Instead, we practice seeking Him, prioritizing time with God in prayer and scripture reading, and taking Sabbath to celebrate well and do activity for its own sake so that we too can see the world as resplendent with goodness, just as God does. As we move closer to the birth of our Savior, let us, be, us, let us be reminded that God sees the world and sees us through the eyes of love, a love that wills our good. May our eyes be moved towards perfection by the love of God, 
so that we can see one another and ourselves as God sees us and love God as God has called us to. Amen. It's been good to be with you this morning, both here and online. If you would please stand for the benediction. My brothers and sisters in Christ, go forth into a world that doesn't always see very clearly because our loves are disordered. My brothers and sisters, be transformed by the love of God so that you may see well that you are surrounded by children of God and that you yourself are a beloved child of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.